Hello and welcome to the Marvelous Cinema Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Henry. I'm your other co-host, Matthew. And today we are doing a shorter than usual episode, just because of workload in life, I guess. And <laughs> um, we're just going to review The Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, because it's been an interesting season. Uh, oh, yeah. Kind of like a... a sp- I wouldn't say split um, opinion overall, but it's definitely caused a discourse <laughs> around... <laughs> Because Star Wars is a subject of conversation that is always, you know, the best, you know, filled the best <laughs> times. Um, Nothing triggers a discourse like Star Wars can. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you want to, like, just go through, like, your consensus uh, first, then? Yeah, we can do. We can, yeah. Um, so, I was pretty much blown away by it. Mm-hmm. I thought that they did really well to keep what they did secret for the most part. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we had the leaks about Temuera Morrison and Rosario Dawson coming into it as their respective big big characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but to keep the the final one secret, I think they did remarkably well. Yeah. Um, and also as well, it, their trailers. They were straight, and they showed in the trailers. Was also, you know, I res- we respect that. <laughs> yeah. For a Sony, they'd have all three of them plastered on the marketing. Yeah, Can you remember um, the Mister Spider Man two, where they showed the entire movie <laughs> for like two months straight. Yeah, we didn't even need to. Uh, you need to even go into the cinema. If you just assembled no. the marketing material, you'd have the whole story. They showed the final shot. <laughs> mm. Yeah, why? they did. Why? Oh my god. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like some some people choose to release the, the first five minutes of a film. Mm, Sony decided yeah. to release the last five. <laughs> yeah, everyone's talking about how Gwen died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought they did really well from that point of view, but also it's just the sheer joy of watching it. You know, mm-hmm. it just give yeah. it gives you such a rush that very few things are able to give you, at least for me anyway. Yeah, like I'm sure we'll obviously we'll get to, to talking about the finale when when it rolls around, mm-hmm. when we roll around to it. It just gives you like a, a sugar rush feeling that very few other things are able to, especially the finale, but also just just the cool moments that you don't necessarily expect to be cool. Mm-hmm. Generally, for for the course of the season, this one was much more consistent. I felt than the previous one. Yeah, I agree, definitely. Thinking about it and looking back, as for the sake of comparison, last season felt a lot more like some sort of exhibition. Yeah, kind of like a test run. Yeah, it's like, this is what we can do. We'll sprinkle mm-hmm. in the story, but we've not really committed to anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see what people think, but yeah. it. And then this one, they've really gone, gone big on integrating familiar aspects of the show while also still keeping it new, which I feel like is an important distinction for me. For me, it still feels new. Yeah. Like, as definitely. you mentioned, there's been a like, discourse, particularly around like, fan service elements to this season. Mm-hmm. But I felt like the fan service has been handled really well. I mean, I'm I'm generally in favour of fan service anyway. I honestly don't get what the major criticisms of it are. Mm-hmm. Anything that's there to make people smile i mean 
<laughs> it's funny that we're in a world where we criticise that. And I mean, yeah, I get where why people do criticise it in terms of abusing it to sell things. Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. feel like um, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. to some extent, had those moments in. I know a lot of adaptations of video games tend to rely on it as well. Yeah. Um, we're to abuse it, but I feel in no way that it's been abused here. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I, I don't see the criticisms in that regard. Mm-hmm. As well, yeah. again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to the, the, the big one about the finale, but I have a specific sort of take on that. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of fixated on like what the ending means, as in like a what is Star Wars from now on? Is this, this going to be this thing from now on? Um, that's all. I don't, and I kind of disagree with it as well. The idea that Star Wars is just going to become kind of like a replay thing because there was one episode where something from the past came back for a bit. Hmm. <laughs> I I feel like because it's something that Star Wars, Lucasfilm, and Dave Filoni have done well in the past, particularly like season two of Rebels. Mm-hmm. You have the first season, which is very much focused on these new characters, but then you do throw in older characters for that second season. Yeah, like you, you have Vader thrown in there, you have Ahsoka, you have Captain Rex, you have all these familiar elements. But it never overpowers stuff, and I feel like that's... It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a balance that's sometimes difficult to get, but I, can, I feel like they completely understand it. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think... When I think about this, I, I try and like find like a similar f- film or TV show, like that kind of illustrated what I thought about the season. And I always, the only like kind of thing I could really think of was, I think The Mandalorian season two is like the good version of Iron Man two. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Because like Iron Man two is a is a weird kind of mixture of two films at the same time, where it's trying to be a sequel which goes a bit deeper and kind of it's kind of like Spider-Man 2 or the Dark Knight to the first Iron Man film kind of like a a fundamental challenging of the of the prota- protagonist from the first film but and then Marvel at that time kind of said but we want to set up a universe therefore we've got to sprinkle in a lot of just kind of fan service kind of easter egg things to come later on and then Iron Man 2 ends up being this weird like diluted film that's trying to do something but it isn't doing any of it particularly as well as it could have um because of all the easter eggs and kind of future setup for future films um with Mandalorian season two the thing is is i think it has on the one hand more time than iron man 2 did um and also kind of like a it understands like a, a core kind of very simple plot line balance where because like the plot of this show, the show overall is very simple. It's Mandalorian has to get Baby Yoda slash Grogu, I guess, um, to the Jedi to get trained. It doesn't really get that much more complicated, like outside of just that main plot line, which is the thing that drives us forward the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having that be the center point for the entire season, especially this one, um, really brings in all the kind of subplot and all the the Boba Fett character and all these other elements really well together. Like, they don't feel like a different TV show. They feel kind of like 
well, sure, if he's on this on this plot line to get this certain thing, then of course he's going to meet some people that were in the galaxy at that point. Um, and also the show isn't treating them as, like, stationary characters. Like, Boba Fett isn't just Boba Fett from the movies. You know, he's, like, he is post-Return of the Jedi, Boba Fett, and he's a total... I'm still trying to figure out what he actually is. <laughs> um, I can't tell if they're trying to give him a new kind of human side or they're trying to just go full-on murdering monster man. I don't really, I don't really know quite yet. Um, I think I what think they... That's... I know that there are a lot of elements... Like, I haven't seen the gallery, you know, the making of series. Mm, yeah. I haven't seen it for the season two yet. <clears throat> but I was, like, seeing clips of it and I know they've said, like, they wanted him to be quite tribal. Yeah, I think they were going for like the the Samoan, I think, like the background of the actual New Zealand actor, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, but I think they it's a weird thing because I kind of want to spend a bit more time with just the Mandalorian in the trial, but at the same time, I would be a total lie if I didn't like if I said that you know that episode of Boba Fett and the finale and you know everything that was. You could you possibly call a bit fan servicey, wasn't kind of like a highlight for me watching the show, um, because it it was well handled. I think it wasn't didn't feel forced. It kind of felt more like a payoff um, from like an actual setup, um, mm. and I think there's definitely a bad way of doing fan service. And I think we have seen that in other Star Wars movies and TV shows, um, but at the same time, I just don't think it's at least I don't even think it's here that much at all really if any um but yeah overall i found this oddly this if i this is the season season one but like way more confident i just feel mm, yeah that's the way i put it i think yeah it just feels more like they're not they know what they're doing but also they know where they're going now um which is you can just feel it in every scene compared to the first season which is a bit wishy-washy mm. um <clears throat> Because the first season, what would, what would you say your like opinion on the first season? I I'd say I thoroughly enjoyed the first season. I'd say it was. I I'd say I really liked it. I liked part of it was just the aesthetic of it, which I think they absolutely nailed. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a beautiful show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've heard people grumble about the the special effects and a few CGI moments, but how can you complain about the way this show looks? I don't think you can. <laughs> it, it's just from a CGI level to just the to the, the volume to just the general way it's framed mm-hmm. and the way stuff's composed. It's beautiful, man. It's just so yeah. beautiful. <laughs> and it really is. I feel like you, you you get a lot of that in the first season, particularly even even the episodes that people didn't particularly take to. Mm-hmm. Like I feel in the Gunslinger episode, I loved the way it looked on the dunes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also I also love the way that the the episode where they in the ship they rescue rescue. Um, I can't remember what it's called the prison break one. Prisoner, the prisoner. Yeah, the prisoner. Yeah. I I love the way that was shot. I think that was. I've heard people say mixed things about it, but I'd say that's probably one of my favorite episodes from last season. Mm-hmm. From like an action standpoint and from point of developing, yeah. uh, Dean. <clears throat> yeah. I would say um, on the whole, I think it's like I said before. It felt like an exhibition of somebody's got this and they're showing it to someone. Say, this is what we can do if you let us loose. 
Yeah, it. I think like watching the first season just before I watched the second season when it came out was kind of like a a weird experience because it was very clear that the first three, yeah, the first three episodes I felt were very very strong. Um, and I really, really liked them. And I felt like, oh, I forgot how much the show was actually, you know, about this character and a bit more kind of grounded and a bit more kind of, I don't know, I want to say slower paced, I guess. And, but I always kind of, I think I feel it every time. Um, in the fifth and the sixth episode, there's this weird thing for me where I kind of, kind of go, I think they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's not that I feel like they're bad episodes. I think they're, pretty standard kind of fun episode I feel but it definitely feels kind of like Dave Filoni's season one of Clone Wars sort of thing um, mm. kind of like he's testing the waters the creative team's kind of having fun of it but not necessarily pushing it forwards as they could have um, it kind of feels like a nervous kind of what can we do sort of thing mm. um, and as much as I have fun with the prison episode and the gunslinger episode it just feels a bit kind of like a step back and then but thankfully obviously i think the last two episodes that kind of bring the entire plot together works really really well especially the attack with te episode um mm. i think the final one is his um and i think like yeah it, it kind of just overall as a entire season the first season always came off to me as kind of yeah, we kind of wishy-washy um, but the second season just feels like they just have a plan, I guess. <laughs> and there's an actual character arc going on at the entire time. And I feel like also as well, I couldn't help but notice in the second season coming straight from first season that Pedro Pascal as um, Din is just some, again a lot more confident in the role. Mm. He feels a bit more human as well. Um, Kind of, there's this moment in the second season where he actually kind of has like a chuckle to himself when um, he's playing with the child, and it's kind of yeah, it's like a genuinely like kind of like an actual like he's a dad moment, <laughs> mm. um, and it's beautiful, I think. Yeah, uh, for the most part. I I also thought that um, obviously we were in spoiler territory. I feel like that's without mm. saying, but <laughs> the the moments where he takes his helmet off in this season. Mm-hmm. I also feel like Pedro Pascal absolutely makes the most of the opportunity, and he's pretty brilliant. Like he looks like in um, I forgot what it's called, the penultimate episode. Mm-hmm. He, he he genuinely nails the fact that he looks so uneasy without the helmet on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I've seen someone uh, point out on I think it was on Instagram that the way Pedro Pascal moves is that he moves like somebody who very rarely doesn't wear a helmet mm-hmm. like when he turns he, he turns his whole upper half yeah he hasn't got that full he doesn't usually have that full feel like of vision yeah he's only got like the little helmet slit i guess <laughs> uh yeah and, and obviously the second time he takes his helmet off well broken <laughs> that's not me not pedro yeah <laughs> um i'm also, also pleased pedro. they uh, they squashed the rumors that he wasn't happy yeah, I, I only heard, like, whispers of this. What was that about? Apparently they were saying that he, he stormed off set because he wasn't allowed to take the helmet off. I don't believe Which that, I feel honestly. was complete nonsense, and thankfully he said that as well. And also, this was coming at a time when they were saying that um, he's not feeling it, yet he was bigging it up on social media. Mm-hmm. 
which yeah. I feel like I think this was this sort of news, and I say that with inverted commas. <laughs> um, it was one of these many things that the dark side throw out there in an attempt to hope that it sticks. Mm, yeah, and it's just and it's showing as well. It's showing that that side of the fandom are getting a bit desperate now. It it felt like um, the most obvious kind of what you could make into a big news story. Like, of course, the actor who has to wear a helmet isn't happy about it. Like, it it seemed like an obvious thing that you could just make up out of thin air, really. Hmm. Um, and that's why it's, it's it's also the case that as 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 he even said when he was debunking it. He said that why would why would why would he sign up? <laughs> yeah. He, he he knew what the deal would be, and he knew that that the reason for why it was, and he knows mm. all that. He doesn't seem like the kind of person that would go back on that. He seems he seems if obviously he seems like a nice bloke. Oh yeah, definitely. So his best his um friendship with um Oscar Isaac is amazing. <laughs> oh, it's hot woman. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're random to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I'm also glad that he had the chance to take it off. Mm, yeah. I could also I show like, like he... growth for him. Yeah, and I feel like it's interesting where we've actually left off. Um, and we are on spoiler territory, definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but having you know Luke Skywalker pop up and destroy so many droids and stuff, <laughs> and then take uh, Grogu away from him and have him. In the middle of that room with all those, all those different characters and have them without the helmet on, it's definitely like an, an interesting way to leave it <laughs> because what happens next? Because <laughs> mm. he's just in that room and he's for the first time in his entire life since he was like a child is showing his face and not only is it showing his face, like he's emotionally broken. Mm. Um, I, I also, I just, I just find it so uh, interesting the fact that. It could be, I suppose you could pick any of the other people that are in the room, but if you'd like pick Cara June, and like, from her point of view, you must be like, what the fuck has just happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some guy has just come in waving a green green laser sword around. Yeah. My mate's just taking his helmet off, despite the fact he swore he never would do, and he's mm. just giving him his son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what has happened? That's like one of those moments where like, it's one of those. Um, I think I said uh, I said this to you earlier about Carl Weathers directing the fourth episode because <laughs> like, there's that little that hint towards maybe that the plot, all these like the the threat of this season and the show is kind of they want Grogu's blood to make Palpatine in episode nine, um, and I think that's a really interesting way of like retroactively making it like kind of a seamless transition compared to. What it can, what it did, kind of feel like in the trilogy, which was kind of like a whiplash, kind of oh, he's back. <laughs> um, yeah. And again, we both like that film. <laughs> mm. Which sometimes, you know, I just like, I just like saying that sometimes. Like, I like the film. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's it's like, good, good to say it. Just like, yeah, yeah, we like it. <laughs> I like it. Um, but yeah, and I feel like that was a very good way of doing that retroactively, but also. Behind the scenes, thinking of Carl Weathers, the like I think he's like in his sixties or seventies, and I can't imagine. Even though I think he's definitely a fan of the original movie, I can't imagine he's like a he knows much about the the lore or like the backstory, or whatever. So him directing the episode, I can't imagine. I can really, I can really well like really well imagine someone saying, "So you're going to point the camera towards this Palpatine clone, and this is hinting towards Episode Nine, because um, we believe that he's been dead for a while." 
And then Carlos just has no idea what this guy's saying. <laughs> Who the hell is Palpatine? <laughs> Can I just give me the camera? I'll do it. It's fine. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I feel like it has a similar vibe in um, the last episode where everyone's in the room. And it, as, outside of Din, like, no one has any idea what's going on. <laughs> it's really interesting. Mm. Again, what an interesting way to leave it off for season three. Mm. Um, while, while we're on the topic, what was your initial reaction? Like, when, when the X-Wing comes in, mm. what was your initial reaction? <laughs> um, I feel like I, I had one like second or like two seconds where I thought, oh, it might be the New Republic officer that we keep on seeing. Yeah. Like, really, I thought it was going to be him for like a good, a good few seconds there. But as soon as like the music kind of like died down a bit and then everyone kind of went like kind of took notes of it and it was it was like a single x-wing and it was definitely not the one we saw before um mm. and then obviously the black cloak thing mm. um it was almost like okay it's definitely going to be the guy yeah, be him. <laughs> yeah and then you know they do that thing with the slowly hint towards it with the green lightsaber and then the like the black glove i guess um so it's kind of like like bit by bit you keep on going oh it's it might be. Oh, it. Oh, it's definitely, definitely. <laughs> it's definitely one. Of, they definitely built that really well. It was like just a short scene. Mm. Um, what was your reaction? It was sort of. I think I I, I thought something similar. Like I saw the X Wing arrive and thought, oh, it, it, it it's the bloke from earlier on in the season. Mm-hmm. And then like when because because in the past when the X Wing's shown up, it's been several. Yeah. Or it's just been two. It's been. Um, the guy that spoke to Cara Dune and Dave Filoni's character. Yeah. Um, so when the sort of one arrived, I thought, oh. And then they make the point of saying, great, it's one X-Wing. <laughs> and then it's sort of in my mind, it's like, no, surely. <laughs> are they are they doing it? They're doing it. Oh, my God. It was like yeah. a moment where it's like, I'm going to sit up straight now. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously the black cloak, everything. But basically, what, what I was going to say before about sort of like fan service elements is that I feel like this works really well. Like the whole thing works really well in terms of in Din and Grogu's journey. Mm-hmm. Primarily because this is like a this is like a death scenario for them. This oh, is like definitely. end of the line. There is no way they're getting out of this. Yeah, and so it like helps perfectly ram home the point that Din has to get Grogu to the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like, literally the only thing that saved them there was Luke. Yeah. It feels kind of Empire Strikes Back, kind of. Mm. And it's How like, can we get out of this? <laughs> yeah, and it's like Din knows from this moment that he will never be able to protect Grogu like this guy with a green lightsaber can. Yeah. Because yeah. he's just he's just made their made their death scenario like a kid playing with Lego. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so I feel yeah. like that really works as part of it as well. And also, I don't know if this is like something that a lot of people had, mm-hmm. but I'm really feeling that it's implied that R2 saved Grogu. Yeah, in the temple. Kind of, and I Yeah, I kind of agree with it. <laughs> because obviously Soka said that Somebody saved um, saved him, and then there's like a moment where, I mean, obviously R2 would have like a reaction to it. I can imagine him saying something like, "Oh my god, didn't this guy just die?" <laughs> yeah. 
but like the interaction they have seems quite long. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like we're, 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 sorry, I'm going to say we're inferring something from two characters that can't speak. Yeah, we're getting from beep, beep, boop, and like child noises. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I got the inference that maybe it was R2 that saved him. Yeah, it totally could be, and I feel like yeah, I can't. I keep on coming back to the same point, but I can't wait to see what season three does of all of this because. For the first time since the first episode, I guess, we're going to see Din without the baby, and we're going to see the baby uh, doing something else, and maybe we're going to see how he got to where he was, and that could involve maybe R2, or maybe it could involve someone else. We have no idea. Um, and again, it has this weird thing where now that all these characters, like Bo-Katan and Ahsoka and Luke and... Uh, Boba Fett are now like either in live action or confirmed to be like in this time period doing these certain things. It kind of has that thing where it makes like these very kind of kind of cool ideas like kind of almost real now. Where it's totally possible that we could see a scene with Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka, <laughs> mm, <laughs> which is yeah. to, it's just to me like so interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fascinating thing. Where do you yeah. like? What do you like, envisage happening in season three? Do you think we'll see Grogu in season three? I think I have a feeling that we're gonna have like, and I've always kind of thought this from the moment we saw Grogu, was I feel like we're gonna have like a a Groot thing where we're gonna see him at different ages, maybe like different. Uh, we've had baby uh, baby Grogu for a while now, so maybe next we get like a teenage Grogu, mm-hmm. um, and then eventually maybe like a kind of a a more Yoda like like Grogu that's kind of I wouldn't I wouldn't go far to say it's like wise old master but kind of like wise adult kind hmm. <laughs> um, of person. Like it, it has been I think said in like some of the High Republic material that Yoda uh, became a grandmaster at the age of one hundred. Right. And Grogu is fifty. Oh, okay, okay. So presumably it's not incomprehensible that maybe with a time jump, we maybe get to the point where he can talk. Yeah, that could easily happen. And I think, I think as well, even though we're saying season three out of Mandalorian, we're totally assuming that the other show like New Republic or um, Ahsoka aren't going to have Grogu or Din in them. Like they could definitely have yes, that's true. crossovers. I mean, I, like, I could definitely see uh, Din showing up in an episode of the Boba Show. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think I think um, it's unlikely we'll see him in the Ahsoka one. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could. Yeah. It could be like a scenario where, like we we've seen Din call on his old allies before. We could have a point where we see Ahsoka call on Din. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to catch Admiral Thrawn, maybe. <laughs> oh yes. You never know. You never know. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'm also glad that Boba Fett's sort of springing into his own show. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I I feel like they re- handled it really well in that Boba hasn't taken over. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in that regard, I think it's great how um, Boba isn't actually on the cruiser. Mm, yeah. I mean, obviously, a it helps um, with it being Din show, and b mm. they don't have to have the interaction between Luke and Boba. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, that would have been weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, I feel like it's, I feel like with Boba Fett, I want, if we're going to have a show with him, 
I would really like this kind of um, deconstructionist sort of thing of that character. Like, as you, as I, say, I think he's a really cool character, and I feel like him being that having that Robert Rodriguez episode where he just kills like so many people <laughs> um, was really cool. I can't, I kind of can't help but really want to see kind of a a softer side to him, I guess, and kind of like de mythologize. I don't know what the word is. Like. <laughs> kind of kind of get him from that pedestal of being a cool badass character and kind of going what happens if he you know settle down for a bit <laughs> um because he's such an interesting character i think that could be made into an actual character if that makes sense um, yeah i feel like progress has definitely been remade in that regard yeah. and i mean if you're going to give him an entire show what better way to do it you know mm. i also <laughs> so, love the name yeah the, why is it the book of Fett though like why is it the book? <laughs> I think it's just like a chapter of Boba Fett. I guess. Like it just feels... Yeah. As well, I think it builds into the, the tribal aspect. Oh, yeah. It's like true. a book. It's book has like the ideas of like mythology and like the, like the Jedi text, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like a legend, yeah. basically. And I feel it like that's kind of... something that suits Boba Fett a lot. Yeah, definitely the new kind of, you know... Uh, New Zealand version <laughs> of him. Yeah, I'm um, so glad Tamara Morrison's back. I love Tamara Morrison. I know, I love him so what much. What a legend! He's so happy to be back as well. <laughs> yeah, you can just see it's it. So you can happy. just see it when it, whenever he like speaks about it. It's just mm. oh, so great. Yeah. Um, also, the the book title kind of lines up with Dave Filoni's Avatar: Last Airbender kind of past because each season was called like Book One Water, Book Two uh, Earth, Book Three Fire. Oh yeah, that's true. So it kind of lines up with. It passed up his, I guess. Yeah, it is. So. It's bringing everything together. Yeah. Also, one other thing on Boba Fett, I, I love his theme. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, it, other than the Mandalorian theme, it's probably my favourite bit of Ludwig Corrinson's score. I mean, I also love the um, Bo-Katan Night Owl theme. Because I actually rewatched the episode like, quite uh, recently. Mm. Um, and like that's a really good theme, out of nowhere. Um mm. And also the dark troopers have like this really weird, <laughs> like I don't even. Know, it's kind of like a mixture of sounds happening all at once. It's like, like an ominous discotheque. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like you go into a nightclub, but it's trying to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Um. Also, to show a bit of appreciation, uh, Mingna Wensway. She's she's great in Agents of Shield. Oh yeah, she's in that. She's also the voice of Mulan. In case you didn't know. Really? In the original Mulan, she's Mulan. Oh, I did not know that at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I think she's great. She's great in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's chilling back for the, the Boba Fett show. And of course, we do have Bo-Katan, mm, yeah. who is the, the first of the animated characters. Do you think that season three might be like a major kind of Mandalore episode, like a season where we get a whole kind of... We're going to go to the Mandalore in live action and kind of have the civil war play out. Yeah, I think that's highly likely. I think we'll, I think we will see Mandalore. Yeah, um, obviously, I think it'll tie in with Ahsoka and the New Republic show in that regard as well. Mm, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think we the conflict between Din and Bo-Katan. I think that'll be clearer. Yeah, I think we'll have more of that. Um, also, people have pointed out that. It's weird that Bo-Katan doesn't accept it from Din mm, when she accepts yeah. it from um, Sabine. Sabine in Rebels. Mm. I think they are going to explain that, and I think it will be that 
she lost power before because she didn't receive it properly. Yeah. It feels definitely like a Dear Filoni will get to this later. Mm. <laughs> that, thing. To me, it feels like something like that. It feels too big for Filoni to have missed. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's his own creation in a lot of ways, so why would he forget it? <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, uh, I think that'd be really interesting. Um, do you want to talk about Throne? <laughs> Uh, yeah, because, I mean, what a villain mm-hmm. <laughs> that we know from the cartoons and animated shows. But at the same time, his name got said in the in this show for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like as well, it, sort of, it hit me more than the Ahsoka name drop, because you kind of know the Ahsoka one's coming. Yeah. While yeah. all of a sudden the Throne one's just bang. I had no idea about Throne at all. And the fact that... They say the name and then just leave it alone. <laughs> mm. Like what a what a way to at the same time as you know being again kind of an Easter egg sort of thing, also kind of you know letting audiences know that even if they don't know for sure we're getting it in a Shoka in a Soka show, that we're definitely going to pick this back up later <laughs> mm. because they said the name. <laughs> yeah, um, we also have had the the, <laughs> the weird rumors recently. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. That they're getting Art Robert Downey Jr. in for it. Yeah, which I mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I would actually I... obviously the, the the ones that people are, are going for at the moment is the ones that are currently doing the rounds are Benedict Cumberbatch, which is the the big one I suppose mm-hmm. people want. Uh, Michael Fassbender, I think it's another one. Jason Isaacs, Tom Ellis. Hmm. They've all been thrown in, and personally, I would I would prefer Robert Downey Jr. over all of them. I For various reasons. I kind of, I kind of like personally. I kind of like the idea of Michael Fassbender a bit. Hmm. I just feel like I've seen him in a lot of roles. That I feel like he's he could definitely nail the kind of cold, calculating, kind of weirdly somewhat charming <laughs> uh, villain kind of thing. Like kind of like Magneto in a lot of ways. Um, but also, yeah, I'm just not sure about any of the castings, honestly. <laughs> to mm. me, I just don't really have to see it to believe it. Yeah. With all that. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking casting, obviously, at the end of the day, I trust Filoni and Favreau. I don't think they do anything mm. outright bad. Same. Um, but for me, it has to be Lars Nicholson. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he, did it, he did it for Rebels. He has the voice down. Mm-hmm. And also, Lars Nicholson... For some reason, I've got it in my mind that Thrawn is quite tall. <laughs> right. I think it's just like the the way like he holds himself, like he's straight back, straight across mm. the shoulders type actor. Yeah. And I feel like Lars Nicholson. I mean, Lars Nicholson's about six foot three. Mm. I've just checked. I'm. I, I don't remember that. I don't remember the heights of random actors. <laughs> um, I feel like he would have. I don't know why I've got it in my mind he's tall. And also, <laughs> while we don't, um, Thrawn is one of those characters we don't actually know how old he is. Yeah, he's kind of a mystery. I think Lars Nicholson's around the right age as well. Mm, but yeah. I feel Benedict Cumberbatch might be a bit too young. Yeah, and also I just feel like I see them, I see them too many in that role of like, like the core calculating villain with him. Yeah, it's just Khan again. Yeah, yeah, same thing again. Just rather anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. back to Mandalorian. 
<laughs> yeah. Do you have any other thoughts you want to, to share or to bring out? Um, I guess it's a, I can I guess it's a weird thing because I like I definitely really really like this season, and I thought that overall it made the entire show more stronger in my mind than it was previously. Um, but I do I do understand some of the discourse around it, and and I kind of want to put out the opinion from me that as someone whose favorite Star Wars film is The Last Jedi, which is very much it kind of takes all the nostalgic elements of the past and kind of for a very much, for a most runtime kind of goes, yeah, but what did they actually do? And how much is this was actually real and how much was actually this a, a complete myth or whatever. Um, and this is my favourite Star Wars movie. So I want to say to people that are maybe kind of wanting more of The Last Jedi kind of things, it's okay to like not The Last Jedi. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because I, I kind of been seeing it more often than I have than um, hate for the prequels and all the anything else. Kind of like a a weird thing with people that love the Last Jedi kind of hate anything else <laughs> in Star Wars <laughs> because it isn't the Last Jedi. Um, and to that, I kind of say that the whole point of the Last Jedi was kind of to investigate the past and kind of come up with new answers. But at the same time, by coming up with that doing that kind of investi- investigating work, I guess, um, it kind of concludes on the point that even if they weren't perfect, the inta- the idea of the story is important enough to be be kept on told. Uh, so as much as we, you know, want to have Boba Fett be really cool and all that, yeah, maybe it could be really cool to have him have, you know, a backstory that's kind of a bit more, like, sad and depressing, maybe, and make him a bit more human, a bit more maybe chalky in some ways. Um and I feel like, yeah, I just feel like it's, I don't know how to put it really, this kind of, this splitting of the fan base in two camps of post and pre to like Last Jedi kind of thing. It's like, you're allowed to like both things. Um, and like, am I a bit, am I kind of a bit afraid that maybe Star Wars can just become from now on, uh, you know, character that we know pops up at the end to do thing? Kind of, I guess that is a fear that I do have now that it could just be that from now on. Um, but again, Knowing Dave Filoni and John Favreau and every other writer director that's working on these shows, especially Pi Jenkins, like and Taiko Tee, they're definitely not going to do that. Um, so even if the season was kind of a bit of that, it was only ever going to be this much, I think, of just a bit kind of sprinkling in of things you like mm. made cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, I just I really love the season a lot, and I kind of half want to sound the discourse around it for being too nostalgic or whatever but also kind of want to say that you're allowed to like it <laughs> yeah you are <laughs> yeah yeah and also i feel like people are talking about it like this is like a new i mean it is a new age star wars it definitely is yeah but yeah they're talking about it like feloni and favreau having this level of popularity is a new thing and they're going to be taken with adding the savior at the end type thing how I feel like you should ask yourself for the if if you are of, of that point of view, I feel like you should ask yourself when has Feloni done that before? Yeah, that's true. Because he hasn't. He, I don't think he's ever went full on the start. I mean, I mean, Rebels and Clone Wars is a perfect example of a. He, he even had the characters from the movies right there in his hands, and at and no point did he ever become kind of stationary mm. or. 
happy with just like replaying past moments, I guess. Mm. Um, the, the the closest thing to having something, I mean, I think the the technical term would be is it um, ex machina? I've, I've forgotten the phrase. Yeah. Like it comes in at the end of say. Deus ex machina. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's the phrase. And the only other time I can remember Filoni doing anything like that is with the Bendu in season three of Rebels, and even that is set up. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a weird thing, remember? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the fact that there's just this Tom Baker giant colossus god thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I feel like that's one of the things I want to see more from the show from now on, especially in the Ashoka sh- in the Ashoka show where we want to get more Jedi stuff. I guess I want to see more kind of day for lonely weirdness and Avatar kind of. There are four spirit, spirit realms and kind of like, I just kind of want weird new things of Star Wars to kind of be like they exist too, and we might explore them later on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I hope that we get more of that. One thing I was asking, I look forward to for the Ahsoka one. I'm, I'm hoping to see. Obviously, if it doesn't turn up. I'm not going to be, not going to be proper bummed out. Mm. But I, I kind of want this aspect where she's kind of slightly weary. Yeah. But also yeah. the aspect of her maybe thinking that she shouldn't be, shouldn't have survived. Yeah, that's. I think that's definitely what they could go down from, like where. They're... What the way they portrayed her in the new episode? Mm, because like just... you have this aspect where she was meant to die and then get saved with by Ezra mm. through the world, world, world between worlds. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it to be like a massive major thing from the season. Like I feel mm. she's too hopeful a character to have that downbeat kind of theme. But if it's something that maybe they address. Yeah, I feel like, I guess as well, the the Ahsoka episode in this season was kind of a, it was kind of a weird one because it was definitely the Ahsoka that we we know from the past, but it was also kind of like, she was a bit more, I don't know, like angry and kind of, I don't know, kind of, I don't want to say depressed, but more, but more like I don't know. She was more aggressive, I think. Definitely more aggressive, definitely, um, and it kind of felt like she lost all hope in some at some point during this whole thing. Um, I think it's definitely, it's going to be interesting. I feel like as someone who's a, sequ- a sequel trilogy fan, like personally, I just, it's my favourite era of Star Wars. Like the idea of having so many TV shows set in that time period between that trilogy and the original trilogy is so interesting to me. I just want to see how they're going to, I want to see how they're going to connect the dots um, and maybe one day, you know, see like a young Ben Solo like how cool for me that would be the best thing in the world um, mm. but yeah <laughs> that's my dream mm. a young Ben Solo just somewhere <laughs> strolling up strolling somewhere yeah <laughs> uh, yeah um, yeah do you do you have any like closing thoughts um, a good show <laughs> a really good show that's I think it's gotten stronger and I feel like if you if you if you watched the first season and enjoyed it but didn't really think you're going to come back to it i definitely kind of would say this season's definitely what you hope the first one might have been going in with all, with all the hype going on around it i mm-hmm. guess yeah um it's definitely more focused it has more of a primary sort of goal to go towards there's episodes are definitely less 
filler than the first season kind of got to the point. Um, and uh, yeah, I definitely just recommend it to anyone who has time on their hands to watch it because it's definitely worth it. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, I think um, I think it's been really quite brilliant. Mm. I would. I'm always cautious about doing this, but if if I was to like give it like a rating for, it, I would say you know, five stars, ten out of ten. Mm. I, I'm always cautious of saying stuff like that, but I think it it really it's difficult to describe because it had it has its own emotional merits, but it also has a real flair for brilliance in terms of treating a Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I absolutely adored it. Um, I think it not only does the brilliant thing of having a brilliant story on its own, while also setting up a just as interesting one for the future. Yeah, I feel like the perfect way to put it is the final episode. Once we talk about Luke Skywalker popping up, it's a weirdly like, almost perfect balance between Luke Skywalker popping up and saving the day, and kind of a nostalgic kind of wow like the new skywalker of that era is like back doing his thing mm. but at the same time you're watching and probably being probably even more mostly attached to this you're watching din say goodbye to grogu after all this time and you can see like the performance of pedro pascal and everyone kind of like watching him um it's again it's all like this weird mixture where the iron man 2 but a good version of iron man 2 <laughs> where at the same time telling his own story it's also you know, setting things up for the future. Um, I feel like this show does it, has done it really well this season. And, I, yeah, I've never been more hyped in my life for the future of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, we're getting so much now that we're definitely on, like, the edge of just becoming the new era of, like, TV shows that are going to be interne- interconnected and random moves that are about whatever they want to be about. It's really exciting, I think. <clears throat> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very, very, very exciting. Yep. Um, and with that, that sort of brings us to the end. Yeah. Um, so we have been your co-hosts, Henry and Matthew. Yep. Uh, the Marvel Cinema Podcast. We have an Instagram account at Marvel Cinema Podcast where we are doing uh, Pixar reviews at the moment every other day. We're going through Toy Story and Coco and Inside Out and all those Pixar great ones. Um, also doing reviews every day for the most part. Might change every once in a while. But... And we're doing weekly podcasts as well. Sometimes shorter now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be still an hour long. Wow, well, yeah. <laughs> that's realised. Yeah, no, we've, we've we've managed to rattle on. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed. Hope you give us a follow. Also on Twitter at Cinema Marvelous. Hope you give us a follow there as well. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs>